Okay, episode 14, the third guy. Episode 14, the third guy. Hold on. We're SVU Pod, especially heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. You can check out our podcast on wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, right. Apple, Apple, Apple Pods? Is that what it is? <laughs> Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at SVU Pod. Join our Facebook group. Like us on Facebook. Email SVU Pod at gmail that's it oh and then we have a website svupodespeciallyheinous.com yeah episode 14 the third guy this episode is something else i'll tell you what i okay i will say this it it has everything no (laughs) it has a we are the world level of amazing famous faces in it yes but yeah. it also left me very sad. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to hear the chaser on this. Also heartbreaking. Yeah. This is the opening scene. A guy in a uniform is checking out an open door in an apartment. He's like, yeah. Hello? <laughs> he's like, your door's open. It looks like a break-in. And there's stuff everywhere. And he's like, oh, geez. Mrs. Bernstein. Mrs. I'm like, yeah. okay, here comes the dead lady. <laughs> yeah. He finds her in bed tied up. Mm-hmm. And she's like wearing a little like nightgown and stuff. And she's tied up with her own pantyhose. Yeah. So Benson and Sailor show up. She's lived there for 50 years alone. Yeah. This guy ejaculated on her thigh. She was raped. Right. Yeah. And Olivia was like, the rape must have been an afterthought because she was tied up with her own pantyhose. Like this guy didn't bring anything with him. Yeah. They were thinking it was like a break in and just with like an, a rape. We immediately know that it's fucking with Stabe's head because he's like, how do you get a thought like that about somebody who looks like your grandmother? Yeah. Which also like, I don't know, old people have sex too. Right. Staler just keeps having an issue with it and keeps and having He's like, ew, gross, she's old. And I was like, first of all, she's 72. People, 72-year-olds, like, have sex. Right. I mean, sex and rape are not the same thing. He's like, oh, how do you do that? That's sick. And it's like, first of all, raping anybody is fucked. Yeah. Second of all, rape isn't about sexual attraction. And he knows that. He should know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm just like, okay, let's, like, it is fucked up. So many things about your job are fucked up. Yeah. But it it was, like, definitely, like, it made me, I was like, hmm, I don't know. Right. I mean, I I get it that it's like a, hey, everyday person watching SVU, we know that it's totally fucked to find a raped old lady in her apartment. Because it is. It is, yeah. But like, and this is how they think that middle America is processing it. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, we hated that. Yeah, it was weird. So they're at the precinct. Precinct? Right when they get to the precinct, Stabler is shaking hands with J.K. fucking Simmons, a.k.a. Dr. Skoda, who is the cop shrink. Yep. Right? Mm -hmm. And Cragen comes... Wait, he was also... I know him from Oz. He took in the character Beecher in the first episode, and by the end of it, he was branding a swastika onto his butt. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, it's that guy. (laughs) Also, you know he's really important because he's wearing a turtleneck in every other scene. (gasps) I mentioned his turtleneck later! Yes! (laughs) Okay. I don't... I'll, I'll share it. When I okay, yeah, we will get to that. We will get to the, At the first, so, some, some of them are like up here, some of them are down here, and I'm like, what the fuck? On my first watch, I don't usually take notes. I just watch the episode and like drink it all in. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it, and I'm like, ooh, make note of that turtleneck, honey. <laughs> so he's a shrink. Cragen was like really kind of pissed that he was there. Yeah, he fucking hated him for some reason. Yeah, and Stabler's like, well, he's like the best. And he's like, yeah, I'm sure that's what he thinks. You know what? I said I've never been mad at Craigan. I was a little like, Craigan, it's not black and white. Like through this whole episode, Craigan was like, whose side, what side? And it's like, yeah. you're such an empathetic character. What's like, the deal? Why are you so worried? We're talking up, about like... it too much before we even get to what's actually happening. But yeah. Craigan clearly doesn't love him, but Staves is pushing his weight around in this moment. Yeah. And he's like saying he's necessary to the investigation. So all yeah. of a sudden, Skoda's involved. Yeah. Um, her name was Lenore Bernstein, which made me think of the B- Bernstein Bears. The, me too. Yeah, the like whole Mandela effect thing. Yeah. <laughs> Bernstein or Bernstein. So Skoda thinks it was a sexually inexperienced dude, like late teen, early 20s, like a social misfit, can't keep a job. But when he does have a job, it's like kind of menial stuff that his mother maybe had molested or abandoned him. Craigan sends them to canvas the street and Munch and Jeffrey's to the medical examiner. Emmy office. So Munch and Jeffries. So she died of two... Wait, this dude? Oh, yeah. The Emmy was in the fucking wire. Yeah. Every fucking scene is some person who becomes a person. He's so creepy too, by the way. Thank you, gods of SVU, or our lord and savior, Olivia Benson. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She had two cardiac infarctions. What? The old lady, Mrs. Bernstein. Is a cardiac infarction a thing? Yeah, isn't it? That's ripe for a fart joke, but keep going. Cardiac. Arch, stupid. But it was there. So she she had like a mild one, a mild heart attack when somebody broke in, right? And then she had another one 
when she got raped and it was like because of her age and there was like mild plaque and arteries you know she technically died of natural causes jeffrey suggested murder too right because what the what the emmy said was that it was a sudden rush of adrenaline yeah which created this place for a natural cause of death that she wouldn't have had had it not been for the crimes right yeah and she had no internal tearing but some bruising so the emmy thinks that the dude was flustered and he like prematurely ejaculated on her thigh Mm -hmm. benson and stabler are on the street adorably walking with a (gasps) tiny old woman and staves is carrying her groceries i I love the scene like a fucking gentleman yeah i love him (laughs) they were just questioning her about did she have any jewelry what did she you know what would she have that would give us a lead also that would like make somebody want to rob her and she's like oh she had gorgeous pieces oh my god tasha this is like you like i could close my eyes and see this lady oh just good you're so good at tie a babushka around my head (laughs) because this woman she was so cute but then she said she wait babushka means grandma i think isn't that that's what my dad always calls like a head wrap thing he's czechoslovakian he uses like but that's what i is that what that means of course your name is krajan that's that's czechoslovakian yeah yeah i think it means like old lady like a babushka and and they just wear those little things see we always dad would be like oh look at you with your little babushka yeah and he would you know i would I wouldn't wear it like this. I'd wear it tied behind my head because it was the aughts. Yeah. But anyway, she had ended up selling all of her nice jewelry because she, she needed the to. money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All she had left was costume jewelry, like, you know, big sparkly pieces, but they were not worth anything. Yeah. So then Jeffries and Munch go to the pawn shop to talk to the really annoyed oh, God. guy behind the, de- like, whatever. Watch Pawn Stars. It's this guy. Yeah. Jeffries is captaining the ship here. And she's like, tell us about the person who brought these in and blah, 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 blah. And they're pushing this guy. And finally, he's like, oh, fine. It was two kids, Colombian, Dominican, something tall, dark hair. The other one was really short with a barbed wire and dagger hand tattoo. And I'm like, and he described his tattoo in more detail than he described anything else about them. He was like, in the dagger with blood drops. And I was like, damn. Hey, criminals, (laughs) don't purposely give yourself defining markers if you're going to commit crimes gloves on i mean whatever teenagers are dumb they're dumb you're dumb none of you are listening to this you're dumb they're dumb your kids are dumb so then they go to home medical supply delivery the workplace of the delivery guy that we first saw in the beginning of the episode they're there to talk to the guy who found mrs bernstein they show him composite sketches of the perps that they got from the pawn shop dude Mm -hmm. these the guys who did it and he's pushing to say anything that they needed and i'm like oh you're doing a little too much yeah you know benson's like we don't need that just Right. He felt bad because he thought that the CPR he says he did would have helped. He was like, I felt like I could have been doing more, but then I I just wanted to be helpful and I couldn't. Yeah. So then Stabes asked him about his partner and he's like, Jimmy, he was in the truck. So they go up to Jimmy. He says that he recognizes the two composite sketches. Mm-hmm. So Munch and Jeffries are on the street talking to people, seeing if they recognize the crime sketches. So there's this gal who I loved, says they, they look like Carlos and Alfonso. She has zero neighborhood loyalty to these I guys, know. like She's right like, off the right bat. over there. <laughs> yeah. Alfonso's a bendejo, which means asshole in Spanish. I, I like wrote that whole thing out. Okay, like, go and ahead. How, I was like, they just found a way for two people to say asshole on TV. She says he lives down the street by the bodega and he sits on the stoop all the time, hassling anybody that walks by. She's like, his whole life he does this. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, thank God he's not related to me. Cut to the two perps dealing drugs and harassing ladies on the Sesame Street steps. 100%. God, that was good. Thank you. That was in your notes, right? Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was really good. Um, uh, oh, go ahead. Hold no. on. Now I'm like, oh, sorry. I'm reeling from how good that was. <laughs> Munch and Jeffries are staking them out. So they're sitting in the car across the street yeah. and they see this drug deal yeah. exchange, which is just a prescription bottle. Also, the steps that they're on, it's uh-huh. on the way from where Mrs. Bernstein would walk to Temple. Yes. So yeah. that's why there's a connection and because right. they recognized them and whatever. It's just building the blocks of like, we're going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So they see the drugs and they're like, all right, bingo. And they get out to go. They're like, bonus. Yeah, like, snatch the dude. Now we have a reason. <laughs> the boys run, but then they're cut off by Benson and Stabler and Munch and Jeffries, what? I just, I was so mad because Stabler says, yo, hip hop, oh, want yeah. to Mirandize you in Spanish or English? Oh! <gasps> I didn't catch that. You didn't that. catch that? No. He said hip hop like three. He kept referring I to heard... the guy as hip hop like three times. I was like, no, dude. Oh. Uh, I actually wrote out yeesh. 
<laughs> Anyways, uh, the pills are prescribed to Mrs. Bernstein. Munch has some really great dad jokes through this whole episode. Mm, yeah. And he dad jokes through his pat down of the dude who just bought uh, what turned out bottom. to be water pills. Yeah. And he's like, get out of my pocket. And he's like, as soon as I hit bottom, ooh, I think I found Huffa. <laughs> Like, Dad, <laughs> you're embarrassing me. Anyway, so Carlos tells Alfonso not to say anything. Yeah. Because they're taking him in. Obviously, Carlos is, like, in charge. Yeah. So then they're in the interrogation room, and they talk to Alfonso about robbing Mrs. Bernstein. Oh, my God. Do you know who Alfonso is? No. He's Spanish what? from old school. He's got other credits, but I'm like, why do I recognize this guy? Why do what? I recognize this guy? And then I'm like, oh, my God. And then I just the scene where he's like, I'm going to end up working at Red Lobster. And this other guy is like, you already work at Red Lobster. And he's like, yeah, but it's part time, dick. Oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't even. He Spanish. doesn't age at all. His name is Spanish. That's what. Yeah, that's what his name is in old school. <laughs> he had like the curly hair. Yeah. When he was doing Frank the Tank, he was there like, Bleh. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or he's like wearing that suit and he t- he's like, oh, his head's really hot. And he's like, put that back on. You're going to traumatize the kids. Yeah. So they talk to Alfonso about robbing Mrs. Bernstein and he keeps asking why they aren't talking to Carlos. He seems really nervous and he doesn't want to talk. Yeah. Yeah. They do like a overview of what they think happened and he's like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's very distraught. Yeah. They ask him if he's the only one who raped her and he was like, oh my God, that's sick. I didn't rape no old lady. They said they'll talk to Carlos about that. Now they're in Carlos's interrogation room. He's got some pretty sick barbed wire, like single needle finger tattoos, which right. I think is pretty cool. Stabler even notes it. Nice yeah. ink. And he's like, I know. <laughs> also, this guy. No. Everybody. Fucking everybody. He was in Eight Mile. God, I only saw that once. He played. Mom Spaghetti? <laughs> no, he played <laughs> Wink. So he was like a dude that knew Rabbit. He was like a producer dude or he was like a coming up kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And then he bangs Brittany Murphy. R.I.P. Because she was like, he's trying to help me with my music career. (laughs) She played such a good that girl. Yeah. Carlos says that they found the jewelry on the side of the road. Yeah. He seems much more criminally experienced and confident than Alfonso. Very much so. Yeah. Staber's like, your fingerprints are all over the house. And he's like, we helped her carry her groceries one time. And he's like, through the window? Um, I mean, he's just got an answer for everything. Yeah. And Benson's like, last time I checked, good Samaritans don't rape people they help. He seemed like legitimately confused. He's like, what did you say? Yeah. Like, what did you say? <laughs> oh my god, here's my prediction. Okay. This is literally what I wrote. Jimmy, the partner of the delivery guy, he found the door unlocked and raped her. Or the two kids did rob her and tied her, but she yelled for help and Jimmy came in and raped her and she died. <gasps> They're going to make two brown kids take the heat. It'll be like the Central Park Five all over again. And the psychologist Craig and Hates is going to court and say it was the boys and you don't have a famous-ish guest on to like do nothing for an episode. That was my prediction. Well, actually, that's, I mean, that's a great prediction. But J.K. Simmons was on Law & Order Regular. Mm. I never watched Law & Order Regular or I caught a couple of them and I was like, wait a minute, this is an SVU, like what, mid-watch, you know? You're like, boo! (laughs) But I feel like they probably have some history that like season one, people who are coming into this from Law & Order Regular are like, they have history. And I'm like, they probably have history. I hope that Law & Order Regular on the title actually says Law & Order Regular. It should. Anyway, so Carlos starts laughing and tells them, he's like, take my DNA, I didn't rape anybody. Yeah. And I I like believed him. So they're in Alfonso's interrogation room and they kind of make it seem like Carlos turned on Alfonso. They're doing this, what is that called? The Prisoner's Dilemma. Yeah, where they like- We learned that from Munch. Yeah, where they like think the other one flipped. Yeah. So he's crying and he's like, oh my God, take DNA. He's like, I didn't rape anybody. Like, I'm totally fine with that. And the stabler shoots a look at Benson like, what the fuck? They're both very confused. Yeah. Because both of these dudes are super willing to give up yeah. a blood sample. Yeah. So Craigan stops them in the hallway afterwards, and Benson and Stabler are both like, they don't think it's them. And in this moment, we are all very confused. Yeah. And then it's like, they think that they had a third perp mm-hmm. that was with them. Yeah. Staves is like, maybe a third guy. And we're like, the third guy. Was that the title? I think it is. Is it just called The Third <laughs> it's Guy? It's called The Third, the third Guy. guy. <laughs> This is very of that time because it's when you would watch a movie and it would be like... You're waiting for them to say the You'd title. watch like The Lake House and they'd be like, we're going to The Lake House or be like, and break the fourth wall. Like, oh man, this is as good as it gets. <laughs> I don't want to hear her scream. <laughs> that was stupid though. Yeah, but I can't hardly wait. See, I'm trying to like <laughs> think of... <laughs> Late 90s, early 2000s movies. You're terminated. <laughs> er. Dudes, we should go to Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> Two. <laughs> 
so they're in Cragen's office. A bunch of people are in. Pretty much everybody's in Cragen's office. And <laughs> the whole precinct. All of New York City. Shoulder to shoulder. <laughs> ADA Fahey stomps in. She's a white lady with a banging bob and bangs. Okay. Yeah. And she's just like, what is this John Doe shit? Because they still believe the boys robbed Mrs. Berenstein Bears, but then they thought that someone else did the rape. So mm-hmm. Cragen's like, we're sex crimes. We want the rapist. They have nothing to go on for the third guy. So they're asking the ADA for a bargaining chip that they can use to get the boys to talk. So she gives them the charges that would take their sentence from 15 years to five years Mm because she can adjust their sentences. Munch and Jeffries have the boys and their lawyers in interrogation. It was literally like, boys and lawyers. (laughs) (laughs) And Carlos is all, fuck that. I'm not doing five years. He pushes back and says, he'll give up the rapist for a free skate. And he's like, that's my deal. And I'm like, if you weren't awful, I would tell you to get it. Yeah. And Alfonso's on the other side of the table. Like, come on, Carlos. Like, you got, we need this. Yeah, he is showing his hand that he's fucking scared. And Carlos is all like, shut up, I got this. And here's another cute Munch moment. Because Munch is like, what are you, 17? He's like, yeah. He's like, hey man, in 15 years, you're going to be as old as me. And I'm like, oh! It was funny. <laughs> Carlos won't let them give up anything to Munch and Jeffries. Carlos is pressing it hard. So Jeffries is like, all right, fine, fuck off. If we find the third guy on our own, then the deal's off the table. Yeah. Okay? Then you're both going to do 15. And he's like, knock yourself out. He's smiling. Yeah. So they're at the Stephen Foster High School. It's the high school that the two boys go to. Benson and Sailor. They're asking for the school secretary, and I can only assume she's a nameless female. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't have a name, does she? Yeah, she doesn't. But she's great. She's great. And I recognized her, but I didn't, because she's a woman, I didn't take the time to look her up. Yeah, pretty much. They asked for the files to see if Carlos and Alfonso ditched school. It was funny because they were, she's like, do you have a warrant? And they're like, we can get one later. And she's like, good enough. I know. I I put this lady, some level of administration. She's in the office and she doesn't give a shit. She looks familiar. So they didn't skip. They were already, but they were already suspended and they weren't with anyone else. When they ask if there's ever a third dude that they fuck with, she is more than hesitant and she says they'll need a warrant for him because this kid has cleaned up his act and isn't getting in trouble anymore. Yeah. And his name is... Emmanuel Clemente. She doesn't believe that it's who they're looking for. But he wasn't in school on the 14th. Right. So he was skipping school that day. Yeah. They're in the park. Jeffries and Munch walk up on Emmanuel. It was Jeffries and Munch? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because she was oh, like... Yeah. Munch close talks Jeffries to uh, where I'm just like, is... The director being like, you need to be more in the frame. You mm-hmm. need to, Richard Belzer, you need to be, what what would they call him? Dickie Bells, you need to get more in the Dickie frame. Dickie Bells, nose to nose here. And he, cheek to cheek. He's like, I got it, I got it. I'm close talker as shit. I'm the best close talker in the business. <laughs> That's why we hired you. Munch and Jeffries find Emmanuel in the park and he's practicing pitching against a wall. They ask him how he got in and out of Mrs. Bernstein's apartment without being seen or leaving fingerprints. He said, simple, I wasn't there. And he mm-hmm. hasn't hung out with Carlos in over a year. And then he's, yeah. he's disciplined now. They ask where he was on the 14th, and he was kind of like, okay, well, my little sister got a little in over her head, and I took her to the methadone clinic. Jeffries and Munch actually go to the methadone clinic to like check to see if he was there, and he was. His whole alibi completely checks out. They're back in the precinct. Cregan and Skoda walk in together. For two dudes that have like um, a tense relationship, they almost consistently enter a room together in this episode. Did you I notice know. that? I know, yeah. And they, they, I always mistake Cregan, like in other TV shows and stuff, I always mistake Cregan for this guy. To me, they're like identical. Oh. Like they, they look so similar, like balding white guys. I J.K. Simmons stands out in a way that, yeah, he's... He's an amazing actor. That's the other thing is so many people in this episode were such great actors or Mm. are such great actors. Oh, you don't think so? Oh, no, I do. I was just like wondering, like, I wonder why there's so many in one episode. I know. Spread it out. It was the first season. So by a few weeks in, they were like. Everybody gets to vote on which episode they want to be in. They were like, we like the show. We want in. Yeah. But specifically for the the third guy. (laughs) Yeah. Their representation calls and they're like, hey, Dick Wolf, JK Zinn, but (laughs) this episode and this episode only. Or maybe the higher turtleneck. Here's his rider, a cheese plate, multiple turtleneck (laughs) options. (laughs) So Cragen was with a shrink. What, What is his name in this show? I call him, I just have Skoda? Oz, Oz guy shrink. Oh, Skoda. So Craigan's with Skoda and Craigan says they need to make a better offer to Carlos and, F- and Alfonso to get them to talk mm-hmm. about this third guy. So he's talking about getting them to roll on each yeah, other. Like, so the deal that he's saying, like, we'll let one walk and then the other one has to do the time. Yeah. The shrink thinks that Carlos is a typical sociopath. Right. 
and won't have a problem rolling that Alfonso. Oh yeah. I think Carlos is a piece of shit. Yeah, big time. Yeah. This is the first point in it where you're morally challenged because you're like, you want to yeah. let the sociopath out. Skoda did mention that Alfonso probably won't roll on Carlos as quickly as Carlos will roll on him. Because he's like a follower and he's like loyal to him. Yes. And yeah. it, he'll be harder to turn, but they can use his fear and work on him a little bit. Yeah. Fear is a great motivator. So that's why they go to Rikers to talk to Alfonso and his lawyer first. Yeah. It's Benson and Stabler at Rikers with them. He's just leaning heavily into what Carlos says. They're telling him this. If he gives it up, they can help him avoid jail time. But Alfonso continues to go back to being worried about Carlos. He asks to think about it. And Stabe gets scary. Yeah. Right? I don't remember. Oh my God, he slams oh, he sl both fists on his table. He tape sexually on the slams his fist down. Is that yeah. what you put? Yeah, I did. That's the only adverb that you use for Stabler. You always use sexily. <laughs> You're like, there's no other descriptor for him. I'm like, yeah, what do you want? You're like, he sexily farted. In <laughs> he sexily turned down the thermostat. <laughs> you know what I pictured him? Is you know how he you know how he does those stretches and they always like take photos of him and he's got like a, an amazing juicy round peach butt? Yeah. Like I pictured him really poking that booty out and turning down the thermostat. With his butt? No, with two fingers. <laughs> in with, his butt? Is the thermostat in his butt? Your nose is in his butt. <laughs> Diamond nips. So Stabes gets scary, but he gets like dad scary because he wants Alfonso to take it. And he's like, this is the biggest decision of your life. And then I could easily go off into some fan fiction right now, like with Alfonso's journey. Oh my God. Where he goes back to his cell and he's like, this is the biggest decision of my life. And then it's just him sitting there not doing anything and being like, hey, Carlos. <laughs> yeah. Precinct. Cragen pops his head out and he's like, there's a taker on the deal. They're waiting in the DA's office, but it's fucking Carlos. Ugh. And he's like, I heard there was a deal. Alfonso had a dilemma and he needed to talk to his friend, which is like fucking out like Fonz. Fonzie, dude. Little he baby Fonz. He asked Carlos for advice on a, ugh, whatever. You sweet, precious dummy. Yeah. Well, anyway, you can just tell they're very different people because yeah. Carlos's smug ass is like, here I am, yeah. ready to take the deal. Mrs. Bernstein had left her window unlocked. After her tea and toast in the morning. And feeding her birds. And she went into her bed to warm up. So they climb into Mrs. Bernstein's window. It's just Carlos and Alfonso. And as he's telling the story, Stabler keeps being like, yeah, and then your third buddy. Yeah, and then the other guy. But Carlos does not break. He's consistently saying, it was just me and Alfonso. Mm -hmm. So Carlos finds that she doesn't have any jewelry worth anything. So Carlos gets pissed and he trashes the apartment and he's like, I taught that bitch a lesson. It's like, okay. Like what? That what? Right. Like so then a cuckoo clock goes off and scares Alfonso because it's like super loud and yeah. he takes off and like Olivia- out of the apartment. And then Olivia makes a note that- It cuckooed once. So that's a, they, it always does once after in the half hour. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, okay, then that means it was 930. So Carlos goes to get him and bring him back. Why? Question mark. I'm not sure. But when they come back, there's a dude outside the door. And Carlos is like, it was a white guy in a beige uniform. And I'm like, uh-oh, delivery driver. Mm -hmm. They're doubtful, but Carlos then gives a bunch of cocky-ass detail. So he's like, yeah, the guy had a clipboard, a logo on his pocket, but the letters didn't spell anything. And their eyes kind of widen with like, oh, we know who th he's talking about. Mm -hmm. He goes, the driver went through the door that we left open. We took off because Alfonso was like, we just trashed the apartment. Let's get the fuck out of here. Right, yeah. So then they took off and that that's all he knows that's what happened so they're thinking they're thinking that maybe that it was stan the guy who found her carlos and Alfonso said it was 9 30 and the cuckoo clock was right so when stan called 911, it was 23 minutes later a lot could be done in 23 minutes mm -hmm. um the psychologist says that the guy who starts the fire helps firefighters put it out like the hero syndrome and he thinks that the hurried nature of the crime suggests like inexperience like any like an inexperienced person like carlos or Alfonso. so he's still on the whole like this person's a young person and then craigan's like you guys need to to tread lightly because this Stan guy got a lot of positive attention in the papers and everything and he's like we don't want another Richard Jewell on our hands mm -hmm. right so Richard Jewell was a security guard and there was a bombing at the Centennial Olympic Park in 1996 in Atlanta hmm. and remember like the backpack thing oh yeah he yeah, had yeah. found yeah he had found it and it contained a bunch of like bomb material and it, he was super celebrated because people were like oh my god so many people could have been injured and you saved them. And then they investigated him. He got drugged through the court of public opinion and then was released without any, they had nothing on him. 
Yeah. And so he was the person who did the most and then got like shit on afterward. So yeah, he's like, we don't want another Richard Jewell. I knew it was somebody like outside of the show. Yeah. Still at the precinct, Stan Bosick has a record. Every man eventually in the episode will get not only a first name, but also a last name. Just mm-hmm. throwing that out there. Yeah. He has a record, armed robbery, and he spent time at Sing Sing. So Jeffries finds his bunkmate who's out of prison and Benson and Stabler then go to his apartment. The apartment of Johnny Rockets. I mean, Johnny Smith. You know what? This is a little fun Easter egg hmm. that she says Johnny Smith, right? Jonathan Smith, she says. She says Jonathan Smith. And then the title card apartment. says Johnny Schmidt. It did? Yeah. It's Ooh, not- I did not check. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't I didn't catch that. Yeah. I don't know if I would have. I was reading something before I watched the episode and it was like, hey, here's a fun little thing for all you looking for winks. Yeah. They go to apartment of Johnny Smith, Schmidt, whatever. Um, he remembers Stan. They were it was his bunkmate. He said that like getting his skin peeled off would have been a more pleasant experience. He couldn't stand him. Yeah, he was saying that he just like would never shut the fuck up. Yeah. And all he did was talk about like all these people he had sex with. Right. And they were, what do they call him? Um, Stan the man. Yeah. Like as a joke, everybody called him that. Yeah. So then Stan called Johnny a couple of months ago to talk his ear off about his new cush job doing this medical delivery thing. Yeah. Um, and how he's banging half the chicks on his route. Yeah. He made it seem like no woman could resist him. Yeah. So we're like, here we go. This is the path they yeah. want us to go down. It was now. like an eye roll and like, did he do it? Lunch and Jeffries go to the apartment of Jimmy Welp, who is the partner of Stan that we met earlier, who ID'd the guys, uh, Carlos and Alfonso. Yeah. Yeah. He says that they talk about sex all the time in the van and let that. S- <laughs> what? Just the way you said that. He said that they talk about sex all the time in the van. <laughs> Stan the man in the van. And Stan's always talking about how he's like boning everybody he's delivering to. Special deliveries, he calls them. Now I'm starting to get a feeling that Jimmy seems to have a delay of some kind. Yeah, Munch and Jeffries asks if Stan ever gave any special deliveries to Mrs. Bernstein. Jimmy gets weird and he's like, nope. Yeah, he clams up really quick about that. gotta go get the paper. And like, he's obviously holding out. So they're just like, yeah, there's more to this. And then I I wrote, I think it's him still. Uh, So they they go and they find Stan the man in the van. (laughs) To where he's like in the van for a while after they pull up. Like he doesn't get out of the van. Yeah. He's still being cooperative. They're like, we want, we have some more questions and we want you to come down to the station. He's like, but I got deliveries. And they're like, they can wait. And Stabler like opens the door. So they're in the station and the the interrogation room is Stan. And this dude, he's like, for the last time, I've like literally banged nobody ever in my entire life. Yeah. He's just pretty much admitting that he's a full of shit gas bag. He's like, I'm just bragging. He admits to lying on his application about his criminal history because he knew that they wouldn't have hired him. And then they confront him about the Mrs. Berenstein thing. And he's like, I didn't touch her. I didn't, I didn't even give her CPR. And then they're, cause they say the boys saw you. And he's like, the boys didn't see me. They saw Jimmy. And they're like, oh, now you're protecting Jimmy. And he's like, no, I'm no. still protecting myself. Yeah. I'm still like out for me. Yeah. But he said that um, he could have gotten in trouble because Stan's the one who's supposed to make the deliveries once they get to the locations because Jimmy isn't certified to hook up the tanks. Yeah. And what when. Prescri- hold on a second. But like what prescriptions. Like oxygen tanks and stuff. Oh. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. I was like, what are they putting in there? Yeah. Like nitrous. I'm going to get nitrous tank deliveries. <laughs> You rich. <laughs> you just have like a little tube. This is my nitrous room. <laughs> Night kids. <laughs> Scooch, Jacoby, go to bed. <laughs> I wish that face was audible. So Stan has Jimmy do the deliveries when they don't have an elevator. And Mrs. Bernstein's place was a walk up. So he had Jimmy go up there. But and it was taking too long. He was taking way too long. So Stan went up to see what was going on. He walked in and he saw Mrs. Bernstein tied to the bed and Jimmy was hiding in the bathroom, freaking out. Mm-hmm. So so then they say, okay, well, we'll put both of you in the lineup and see what, you know, well, these he, witnesses say. He also said, he's like, I didn't touch her. And he's like, well, how'd you do CPR then? You said you did CPR. And he's like, okay, I didn't even do CPR. It was supposed to be a win-win. Like Jimmy was too freaked out and he wouldn't have to deal with it. And I look like a hero. Yeah, you know, because he would have never yeah. thought that Jimmy would have done. It, yeah, it, he and didn't go like, up there like, thinking that he found something that Jimmy yeah. did. He's like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gotten fired, and I get my new my name in the paper. Yeah, yeah. So Carlos IDs Jimmy immediately, and then he calls him a Gilligan's Island looking motherfucker or something. And I'm like, oh my god, totally. <laughs> yeah, I was embarrassed that I didn't think of that myself. Yeah, it was good. They're still in the precinct, and Munch is telling Benson and Stabler about the two heart attacks. You had talked about this earlier, but how she had had two heart attacks. Mm-hmm. 
her heart got like significantly weakened by the first one and she would have probably survived the second one. Right. And Olivia's like, did the break in contribute to the second heart attack that killed her? And he's like, yeah, they could have prosecuted Carlos a little heavier, but then they're like, well, we have to cut him loose. So poor Alfonso's fucked and we never hear of him again. He's yeah. probably spent a loop in the system. Just kidding. He's an actor and he was on old school and he was fun. <laughs> so then Benson and Stabler are questioning Jimmy Ugh. and Jimmy seems eager to please and like he feels like he has to tell the truth. You can tell that he's like, he's just like, yep, yep, yep. Like they're like, do you understand your rights? Yep. Like, yeah. And yeah. I mean, I was so sad for him at this point, but also like more was being confirmed that yeah. um, he was not of like average intelligence. Right. So he said that the, the door was open to Mrs. Bernstein's and it was messy and he was going to help her clean it up. But then when he found her, she was like tied up in bed. Benson said, how did she look? And he was like, really nice. She was like wearing her nightie. And they were like, what? Yeah. He's like, she looked happy to see me. They tell him they're like, so you tied her up and you raped her. And he like freaks out. He's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. So then they're in Cragen's office and Cragen is chewing Skoda for his eval. And Skoda is like, uh, no, that was not part of my eval. That was a sticky note next to his DD5 for you. And we're like, what are they talking about? You know, what is this? What is this sticky note? <laughs> and this is just a quote. Skoda goes, retarded and a question mark. This is from a shrink. Yeah. And, and, but, and maybe that was what was like the thing then. Like that was the term for it then. And that was like proper. Yeah. But like. Well, clearly it was because they say retarded a bunch of times. And I have a hard time saying all the syllables right now saying it to you. Yeah. I uh, like halfway through the episode, I was like, I should be keeping tallies of, of how many times they say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's made me feel weird, but it might have just been. I don't know. Yeah. Dude, even in my sourdough group and they were like, oh, the, the starter has to be retarded. I'm like, no. <laughs> So the sticky note that was just meant for Cragen ended up making it into the discovery packet and the ADA is pissed because that could get everything that Jimmy said thrown out because then they can argue he may have not understood his Miranda rights. And Mm -hmm. now the DA is like, you guys need to go out and get anything to refute that possibility. She wants them to dig up information like refuting his alleged quote unquote retardation. Right. And Cragen literally says keep digging and don't stop till we get this guy in Menza. I hated that. Yeah. So they're at the precinct and they were looking for an IQ and they can't find it. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't ever tested. His grades were D's and F's. Munch says that doesn't prove anything because Albert Einstein fucking blah, 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 math. Contrarian Munch. Doing jack off motion with my hand. Right. And so they're just basically were like, maybe he slipped through the cracks. You yeah. Know? His job record isn't good either. Yeah. He's always fired. Mm-hmm. Stabler argues like, well, he has lived on his own this whole time and has had a job. Right. Stabler's the main skeptic as far as this stuff goes. Right. So then Benson and Stabler are in Jimmy's apartment. They clearly got a warrant because the super lets them into his little basement apartment Mm -hmm. to search it. And Stabler isn't believing that he has any kind of delay because he finds a book about, well, then he finds a book about thermal nuclear physics. And he's like, yeah, this guy is a fucking whatever. And I believed it for a while. I was like, is this going to be a usual suspects Kaiser Sose moment? Yeah, I did too, where I was like, is he just, also, I love the landlord. Me too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was like, he reads a lot. He sits outside. I'm like, he What's sits the outside news? reading the paper. What's the good news? I'll let you know if I find it. He's yeah. just, yeah, really nice guy. Um, but they find a bunch of porn. And <laughs> <laughs> that was the best segue. Leave that in or I'll kill myself. <laughs> I'm just trying to. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's a really nice guy. So they find a bunch of porn. <laughs> As one does. They find a bunch of porn. So they're like everything. They're like in the box, in the box. Yeah. And the super then tells them that he exclusively eats at Lily's Diner. Mm. Oh, they go to Lily's Diner. And they the waitress. T- she is so waitressy. Yeah. Red curly hair. A little orphan Annie grew up <laughs> to be a waitress in New York City. I wore a uniform like that at my first waitress job, by the way. Mm. Did you clock her uniform? The uniform that I wore was almost identical to what she was wearing. So it was like this high-waisted dress that was like salmony pink with white cuffs around the short sleeves mm-hmm. and a ruffly collar. And like this was, I was wearing this dress to work. Also, I did go get a pair of cat eye glasses to mm-hmm. wear to work. I like I popped the lenses out and I wore them and was all like, hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> call me Flo. Come up and see me sometime. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mae West. I know. That's Hoenn stuff. 
I'm a hoe. <laughs> so God bless you. But I had to wear that fucking dress. But you have to balance this with the fact that I was also wearing Jenkos to school. <laughs> so right, you come in the time of your life. I hated myself. I, I did. <laughs> I did. I did. I was gonna start. Um, I was gonna be like, I dirty dancing had the time of my life, but I didn't. I fucking hated high school, and I Me hated too. that job, and I hated myself. <laughs> Dude, if we would have known each other in high school, we probably would be dead by now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. So Diner. Diner. He eats there like two or three times a day. Oh, yeah. He's a regular fixture. She's so cute. Oh, my God. I love you so much. I'm so glad we're friends. He's a really friendly guy. So the, she's just telling him how, how nice he is. And they're like, does he seem slow? And she's like, he's not in a hurry, if that's what you mean. So then you hear somebody yell, Waitress! <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. first of all, I heard that and I got offended as a former server. And then she's like, guy at table two will have a coronary if he doesn't get a coffee. And she takes off. Yeah. Hold on. There is a point earlier where they're going into Jimmy's apartment. And uh-huh. Olivia looks off because you hear somebody yell, just put it in the mailbox. Yeah. <laughs> I rewound that like three times. Does she even she look? <laughs> so Olivia and Stabler are left sitting there at the counter alone. And she's like, nobody really noticed that he was slow. First of all. The waitress didn't understand your question. You didn't clarify it. So, yeah. But then Stabler, he's a skeptic on every angle, which I appreciate in this because now he's like, yeah, but of course they all had limited contact with him. So that doesn't really tell us much. Yeah. Oh, then they go to Sylvia Welp's house, Jimmy's mom. And I feel really bad for her. Benson Stabler, she said he was never really any trouble. He was the sixth of seven kids. She said she sat him in front of the TV a lot and he wouldn't cause any problems. She said he he probably didn't get enough one-on-one attention but when she had him she was just so tired and I can't yeah. even imagine um, they, she, they she's like her, a whisper talker and know. she's like Jimmy isn't retarded I'm his mother I'd have known something like that yeah she reminds me of um, I hate that I keep saying retarded and you are able to avoid saying it because I'm like quoting people and shit I don't like I, it's not easy for me to say it no I don't think that oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I don't think that please comfort me <laughs> She, they're like, when was the last time you talked to him? And she's like, oh, not for a while. And then she's like, maybe when he moved out. And they're like, when he was 18? Because that dude was like 50. Yeah. So it sounds like it's at least 25 years. But I feel bad for her for some reason. Yeah, she was like, I may not have been the best mother, but. It's just example after example throughout this episode of like Jimmy having. Yes, yeah. exactly. Jimmy has fallen through the cracks to his mother because she was she was offended when they brought up you know maybe that he had a learning disability yeah or that he had any kind of disability yeah so then they go back to the precinct and they get his iq test back and it's 68 70 is the cutoff for like quote unquote normal iq the porn tape that they found has a photo that mimics the scene of the crime basically like even down to the shade of pink like it's so they're like well that's weird because the boy's tied her up not jimmy mm-hmm. and craig and Scoda walk in together like wiping their mouths off they're like we just had lunch together <laughs> <laughs> and this is where i was like first joy birding over jk simmons and his turtlenecks because i'm like i will tell you what <laughs> nothing looks more powerful to me than jk simmons in a turtleneck and blazer god i didn't even think of that i just thought he looks real smart oh he's thinking he was like shit this is like right out of the crime like maybe you know the boys had tied her up and he walked in on it and because he's like mentally challenged he was thinking that he was supposed to do it like that it was for him yeah skoda says he misreads social cues and mimics to appear normal based on that tape i wouldn't be surprised if he thought he was expected to perform a sex act. And he didn't like understand. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't realize he was doing anything wrong. And Cragen's annoyed because Skoda isn't dunking on Jimmy for some reason. Mm-hmm. They start talking about like the number of people who are in death row that because the system is slanted against them. So fucked. They can't defend themselves. They will confess to things that they don't do. The it's just a tragic. And like, yes, yeah. it is. This is all in my chaser. P.S. Uh, yeah. And I, I like how Cragen was like, I just find this really convenient that his whole life he hasn't gone diagnosed as mentally challenged this whole time till now. And then the... I'm going to look up what the proper term Sh- is for... Schlimgen retarded. or whatever his name is. What's his name? Schlimgen. Skoda. Skoda was like, I find it incredibly tragic. Which I agree with that. What Anyways, is they, the... Per, what is the PC? Kraken's going for it, though. Anyways, um, and he thinks that Jimmy knows he did something wrong. Okay. Yeah. They're in the Supreme Court. Stabler is on the stand, and he's kind of vying for Jimmy's mental capabilities. So August 1st, 2013, it's announced that we are replacing the term mental retardation with intellectual disability. 
Okay. In our listing of impairments that we use to evaluate claims and da da da. Intellectual so, disability. Intellectual disability. Okay. So because we didn't so, look it up beforehand, that's the term we will use for the rest of the three minutes. Yeah. Our apologies. Is, I wonder uh, what it was before that. Was it like mental retardation? That was the. So they the, weren't walking around throwing around the word retarded. So they were probably was, being like PC as fuck. Yeah. Mental retardation was the term Oof. up until 2013 it was the term yeah i really fucking hated saying that word so like i, I know. should have thought to look it up before yeah i don't know why we didn't because we're stupid supreme court stablers is on the stand he's vying for jimmy's like mental capabilities he thinks that he's not intellectually disabled and that there's no evidence that he is stablers like there's a ton of books he's not retarded and the guy's like do you know the lengths that people will go to that have intellectual disabilities to appear to be of normal intelligence yeah like pretend to read right. or like like people, the people pleasing stuff. Yeah. So then he asked Stabler if he had Jimmy read anything out loud to him or anything like that. And he was like, I didn't see a reason to do that. And he's like, did you have him read his Miranda rights? And he's like, yes, but I also read them to him. Yeah. But they're thinking that he didn't understand. and was just like, yep. And signed. So then because he was asked to, you know? Yeah. So then Jimmy's on the stand and his lawyer is super sweet and gentle with him, which of course, cause it's his lawyer, but mm -hmm. he's asking him, he was really, ugh. Just so Jimmy's able to recite his Miranda rights and he was like feeling good about it. And You're then like, good job. And he's like, thanks. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So then the lawyer asks him to explain what Miranda rights mean. And he seems confused and childlike. Yeah, and he's at like, this I point. did. And he's like, no, you you said what they were. But can mm -hmm. you explain? Can you explain what the Supreme Court means? Can you explain what does the judge do? He yeah. was just like, what? Like, I don't. You could tell he was still trying to be like, because he's like, what is the role of the judge? And Jimmy's like, mm hmm. And it just, oh. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So then the ADA goes to cross examine him, and I'm like, fuck you and your bangs, bitch. <laughs> I know it's her job. I know. But she goes to cross examine him, and she uses. I know. She uses it against him, His what she clearly knows too. Yeah, she's like, there's a lot of people here that are saying that you're retarded. Your lawyer is bringing up a lot of people mm -hmm. that are saying this about you, and everybody that I put on the stand, they're saying you're not. Mm -hmm. So are you? And, and he's, he's like, like no. no. And yeah. then it becomes like an, like an argument because then the lawyer's like, well, a lot of times people with intellectual disabilities will either try to cover it up or maybe not even be fully aware that it's present. Mm -hmm. And and Jimmy gets upset and he's like, no, I'll prove it. I'll, I'll prove that I'm smart. I'll yeah. tell you what I did to Mrs. Bernstein. Yeah. Oh, And her, his lawyer's like, shut up. And the judge is like, I'll allow it off the record. I want to hear what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of like, you perv. Like, what the fuck? I think, I think it was just sort of like, we got to figure this out. Yeah. 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 And I mean, uh, anybody who's still <clears throat> sitting there going like, I don't know if this guy is. Yeah. Like he's like, he's, he's playing this part of it very childlike, you yeah. know? So then he confesses to the crime in a way that tells the story like he knew what he was supposed to do when he found her. Yeah, he was like, I found her and it was very exciting and like I knew like I'd seen it on the movies that I've seen but I've never done it before. Yeah. She was moaning like in the movie but really like we're watching it knowing that she was doing that because she, she was, having, she was having a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, I did it and it felt really good and, and like, then I tried, I tried to, to kiss her yeah. but then that's something. when I noticed something was wrong and then he starts like he starts tearing up and crying. He did something wrong that mm -hmm. he, like, he hurt her. Yeah. So yeah. then he tried Which, to do CPR like he saw on TV. And then he was like, I was doing that wrong, too. So then I got scared. Like, his crying is getting more, yeah. like, he's really trying to keep it together to tell this story. Yeah. But and he's like, I didn't know how to explain it to anybody. So I just ran into the bathroom to hide. And I hid there until Stan found me. Yeah. Ugh. So. Then Skoda and Craigan are in the hallway. And I'm like, fuck you, Craigan. In this scene, Craigan is yeah. being a dick. Craigan's like, it's only two points from 70. And you're right, like, and 70's low. You're like, dude, it counts. And that's what's fucked up about this thing. Like, it's not a, it's not a, there's only two points. Why are you being so black and white? Yeah. Craigan. Yeah. So, like, obviously he did something wrong and it's not okay, but he's also, like, intellectually disabled and... Like, there has to be ways to deal with it. He obviously has to be, like, punished in some way or, like, taken care of. Yeah. Or, like, put somewhere that he can be protected from other people. Well, here's the thing you know? is that in this moment, they're giving two sides of this coin. So Craigan is trying to refute the fact that his intellectual disability kept him from having remorse. Because Craigan's like, yeah, I saw that he was remorseful. And Skoda was like, 
I saw a guy who was devastated because he didn't understand the situation. Right. Those have two different consequences, yeah. or Sk- they should. Skoda's like, I don't lose any sleep knowing that I put away like psychos and blah, 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 and sociopaths. Yeah. He's like, but this guy. So Craigan's just like, okay, fine. It's just the system. And it's like, who are you? Yeah. Skoda takes this, like, he takes him to the facility for the, it's jail. It's like jail or something for intellectually dis- disabled people. And when they walk in, there's like a lot of like very severely like mentally d- like, yeah, people who people who aren't um, as they functioning. Pretty much, they pretty much did like stereotypes of everything yeah. that you would ever see. It was pretty bad. Like Jimmy was like, "Are you gonna stay with me?" And he's like, "For a little bit." But there's this nice doctor, and he's being super nice. Yeah. And while these people are like yelling in the background, you know, doing the stereotypes of whatever of of what you would think like yeah. a one flew over the cuckoo's and, nest kind of situation. Yeah. And it's not even, and that isn't even as bad. It's yeah. like you see that Jimmy doesn't belong there. And right. he sees he doesn't belong there and he's just like, no, 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 no. Yeah, and no, he's no, no, no. fucking scared and I'm yeah. sad and it's yeah. over. There's got to be a place for like, you'd think there's like different wings or something for like different like abilities, you know? Oh, is that would you think that in a fucking system that it really works with the prisoners? <laughs> you know, because it's about rehabilitation. That's what it's about. You know what yeah. I mean? It's about the betterment of society. It's not about um, money or locking people blah, blah, blah. away. I mean, if all we can say is that it's better than the 1850s, that's not that great. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that what we say? I don't know. That's, I don't know what they tell themselves. But. I don't know. But this shit is awful. And this episode had amazing acting. But my... Um, this chaser's going to rule. My empathy button like in between my boobs do you know what i'm talking about like when your heart yeah (laughs) i was is that your heart that hurts when it like if like i was watching it and my heart was hurting okay that is what it is (laughs) i sound stupid (laughs) no you sound like you haven't used it very for for a long time or something you're like it was what's that weird feeling in my chest this chaser is um let's get more sad scooby doo boop that's all I want out of life. Okay, so June 22nd, 1980. 12-year-old Rosalie Parker spent the day with friends in Tampa, Florida, where she lived. She went roller skating with her friends and neighbors, sisters Tina and Tammy Deal, Russell Jackson, and James Douglas Hill. Later on, they played Monopoly at the Deal girls' home and took turns riding on the back of Hill's motorcycle. At about 8 p.m., it was just the girls left at the house. Rosalie was going to go play at the Gary Elementary School playground, but Tammy and Tina's mom said that the girls had to stay home, so Rosalie just went by herself. That was on June 22nd. Mm-hmm. Around 6 p.m. on June 25th, 1980, the body of 12-year-old Rosalie Parker was found oh. by a camper in an area of Hillsborough County, Florida, known as the Pits. So this is same, you know, obviously same area. Um, the Pits is a swampy, wooded area in their neighborhood by the park. Mm-hmm. Police retrieved her from a shallow grave covered with mud and hyacinths. It's a flower that I hate. It's in Animal Crossing. That's where I get I get all my all my science from the owl <laughs> in the museum. <laughs> I know just enough about Animal Crossing to get a good laugh out of that joke. What's the owl's name again? <laughs> I have I see that Mr. Hoots or something. <laughs> she was dressed in only a bra, which was pulled up, exposing her chest. Rosalie was identified by her fingerprints and the few clothing items that police found strewn around her. Mm -hmm. The cause of death was determined to be mechanical asphyxiation. Again, I read more than one article and like something said drowning because she was um, face down in a puddle kind of thing. What's mechanical? Somebody choking her. Oh. With their hands. So Daniel Munson, who's that? Just another dude in the neighborhood. He had first been under suspicion for the crime. But soon into the investigation, he became the key witness. He insisted he knew who did it and he would be willing to wear a body bug to get a recording from the person who committed the crime. Mm -hmm. He claimed the perpetrator was 22-year-old James Douglas Hill. Okay, so James was one of the people hanging out Mm -hmm. that day. Now, oh, they rode on his motorcycle, right? Yes. Okay. And then also before moving forward with the crime, I want to dive into Hill's background to get an idea of why this 22-year-old dude was hanging out with preteens. I read one report that said Tammy was his girlfriend, Tammy Deal, and she was 15. And remember, Rosalie is 12. This is Florida, so yeah. In 1972, James attended the Hillsborough County School District. It was in his childhood that he was put into a special ed program for mentally handicapped children. Mm -hmm. 
one of his teachers described him as childlike with a severe speech problem. Uh, The issue made it tough for him to communicate. This teacher also said that he was an easy scapegoat for other kids. He was regularly blamed for things that he wasn't guilty of and would easily confess to guilt when he was accused. So it was really just parroting whatever somebody said to him. Yeah, like in the episode how they were talking about like just like eager to please. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. So the dean of students at that school described Hill as educable, mentally handicapped with a communication problem. Mm -hmm. He also said that Hill was unable to defend himself against false accusations by other kids. And then I read somewhere else that a professional who evaluated Hill described him as a, quote, slow 11-year-old, like Mm -hmm. as an adult. Yeah, okay. So at the time when he was 22, like that is... Oh, no, this is going to be bad. I know. It? it sucks. I hated it. I hated reading about it. It made me sad. This dude who was the initial suspect, Daniel Munson was the initial suspect, key witness now. He's one of Hill's neighbors. So he claims that on the evening of June 22nd, around 8 or 9 p.m., Hill stopped by his house on his motorcycle. With him was a girl matching Rosalie's description on the back of his bike. Um, Hill's bike? Hill's bike. Okay. Later, Munson says he didn't know Rosalie, but the description was the same. Munson also said that Hill asked him if he wanted to rape this girl with him. Munson claims that he said no, and he didn't want any part of that, and Hill drove off with Rosalie to the area known as the pits. Later that night, around midnight, Munson alleges that Hill came back alone and asked him if he'd ever seen a dead person before. Hill took Munson to the pits and showed him the body of Rosalie. He said that he had sexually assaulted her and choked her. Side note, I didn't see anywhere where they found any evidence of rape, and one article even said that they didn't find any evidence of rape, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything either because there was a lot of like decomposition and stuff. How long did it take for them to find her? Three days. So it was oh, okay. the 22nd was the last night that she was seen alive and the 25th is when she was found. Munson said that he and Hill were planning on doing some robberies together and Hill wanted to show him that he wasn't scared of anything. Munson also claims that when he asked Hill why he did it, Hill told him that she, quote, wouldn't give it up so I had to take it. And then he got scared because she told him that she was going to tell. No, this isn't. If you read these articles, dude, you would be. This did not happen. Okay. Hill did not do this. In exchange for Munson's testimony, the state agreed to revoke Munson's probation and also agreed to not prosecute him for a burglary charge that he was up against. He was on parole for armed robbery at the time. Mm -hmm. They gave him immunity for accessory after the fact because he didn't tell anyone that he saw a murdered little girl until he was asked about it. Yeah. So the accessory would have also put him in violation of the terms of his parole. So the state agreed to wipe that too. Okay. So they sent Daniel Munson to Hill's house with a body bug on mm-hmm. so that he could record a conversation and get Hill's confession. So at some point in that conversation, Hill admits to raping and killing Rosalie Parker. Mm-hmm. So here's a piece of the transcript of that. I wish it wasn't so fucked up because then I would just use different voices instead of saying their names every time, but I don't want to do that. Yeah. Munson says, you sure you ain't shot her? Hill says, I'm sure she ain't been shot. Munson, well, how in the hell did you kill her? Hill, I don't know myself. Munson, you don't know yourself? Hill, hell no. Munson, you told me you choked her. Hill, I did, but they ain't got no proof that she been choked to death. I don't know how she died. She might have didn't die. Someone else might have killed her. Munson, you just choked her, that's all? You're sure? Hill, no, I'm positive. I stuck her head in that mud puddle of water, and they ain't got that. Why? Munson, you drowned her? Hill, I, no. She was already dead. She didn't move. I wanted to make sure she's dead. I throwed her. I didn't stuck her. I throwed her in it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that highlights like in these articles that highlights um, Hill's delays, Mm -hmm. which makes it really incredible that that wasn't something that was addressed at all, his disabilities. So the prosecution's case was based almost entirely on circumstantial evidence and largely on this recording. One of the biggest pieces of evidence that they had, one of the only pieces of evidence that they had was this taped confession. Mm-hmm. Based on the conversation, it sounds like Hill did it. So at first, Hill's like saying, yeah, I did it, I did it, da 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 agreeing with whatever he's told. Mm-hmm. And then by the time he gets to court, he testifies that his brother Gary and Daniel Munson showed him Rosalie's body. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Munson's timeline is 
He saw him at 8 or 9 with Rosalie on his motorcycle and then saw them driving off to the pits. Then at 12.30-ish, Hill came back and took him to see her body. Yeah. But there are two defense witnesses, unnamed defense witnesses, that testify that they saw Hill home asleep on the floor at 8 p.m., and then they saw him again around 10 or 10.30. Still right? asleep. Yeah. Still asleep. There's just, yeah. like, he hasn't moved. Hill's brother Gary and Arnold Perkins, a friend of Gary's, testified that they saw Munson running from the pits where Rosalie's body was later found. Mm -hmm. The area of the pits was visible from the Hill house. Yeah. As Hill awaited trial, he was evaluated by a county jail nurse, and she said that he, quote, appeared retarded mm -hmm. and wanted him to be further evaluated to determine if he was suicidal. He was referred to 1255 Hillsborough County Community Mental Health Center. There he was evaluated by a health technician and a psychiatrist who recommended he be further evaluated. Mm -hmm. They wanted him to undergo psychiatric and psychological evaluations, but he didn't because the system sucks and doesn't take care of our most vulnerable population. Mm -hmm. So, like, it just got left hanging. The defense investigator testified that he had difficulty, quote, extracting sufficient information from Hill to go out there and do an investigation, end quote. He also stated that Hill was unable to assist him in investigating the case in a, quote, normal manner. Mm -hmm. And he explained that Hill could not, for example, relate concepts of time because he was unable to distinguish between like three weeks and three months. Right. Like he he couldn't tell the difference. So how was he supposed to assist in his own defense? Right. Right. During the trial, he behaved in a way that would indicate that he didn't understand the severity of the situation. He would be talking and laughing with friends despite being told by his lawyer to stop. At one point, he tried to leave the courtroom because he was upset that the jury was laughing at him or oh. he felt like the jury was laughing at him. Mm. And this reminds me of um, <sighs> who was that? Remember that? documentary about the Manitowoc making a murderer yeah the like little Brendan Dassey yeah when they were like interviewing in school yes and he just was like okay so can I go back and finish my test yeah like he just yes. didn't understand like he's got an intellectual disability for sure and I think he's I don't even remember what they said his IQ was these are common traits the traits right. that are that bring out false confessions yeah and then they fucking run with it mm-hmm at one point, Hill even said that he thought the trial was a game. Mm -hmm. He was separately examined by two mental health professionals and was found to have an IQ of 66. Okay. Okay. About 2% of the population has an IQ lower than 69. And I- Only 2%, really? Yes. I I, I have the, um, the IQ score ranges here and the interpretation of them. Mm -hmm. An IQ above 130, the interpretation is very gifted- and that is 2.1% of the population. Those are like the Menza people. Yeah. 121 to 130 is considered gifted, and that's 6.4% of the population. I took an IQ test, and I was 126. But anyway. <laughs> Wait, where do you take those? Online. So they're very <laughs> accurate. 111 to 120 is above average intelligence, and that's 15.7% of the population. 90 to 110 is average intelligence, and that's 51.6% of the population. 80 to 89 is below average intelligence, 15.7%. 70 to 79 is cognitively impaired, and that's 6.4%. So the fact that his IQ was 66 makes him beyond cognitively impaired. Mm -hmm. Is 70 the cut off to the... Was that it? Or? So, yes. About five years prior to Hill's arrest on the murder charge, he was diagnosed as suffering from grand mal epileptic seizures. Yeah. And at the time, both the treating physician and the admitting physician concluded that Hill suffered from an intellectual disability, which they would have called mental retardation at the time, yeah. like what, what we talked about. I don't know how many times I want to make up for saying the word retarded by saying intellectually disabled right now. Well, but I mean, you were quoting the show. I know, but I just, like, I hated the feeling of, I just I don't know. understand why I didn't Google it and adjust my verbiage, you know? But it's just, it just bugs me that I did that. But anyway, along with this, his memory quotient was measured at 48. The average is 100. <gasps> So yeah, he just didn't... And that memory quotient is even lower than expected for someone with James Hill's IQ. Mm, okay. The second mental health professional, a clinical psychologist, stated that, quote, James was about as incompetent to stand trial, in my professional opinion, as anyone that I have seen except for several people who are actively hallucinating at the time of the interview. 
Wow. He also said that Hill, quote, did not have the ability to testify with coherence, relevance, and independence of judgment, and that Hill was unable to disclose pertinent facts to an attorney, communicate relevantly to an attorney, assist in planning a defense, or to realistically challenge prosecution witnesses. Mm. The psychologist pretty much summed up everything any professional had said about him throughout his life, that he was naive, emotionally and physically immature, and didn't have the capacity to testify accurately due to his inability to understand questions asked of him. Yeah, so, I mean, he can't even, like, he probably doesn't even know if he did it or not, or was even there. Like No, yeah. According to, like, what people have told him, he's probably, that's probably just enough to confuse But for anybody who doesn't give credence to anything that they have in their own experiences, they don't understand that that's possible Mm -hmm. for a person. Like in the episode um, when, who was it? Was it Cragen who kept saying like he knew right from wrong? That's not the definition of competent to stand trial. I'll Mm -hmm. get there. But it's not. Yeah. Okay. So he was extensively tested and evaluated beyond all of this. And I don't need to get into all the details because we can get to the conclusion now. He was not competent to stand trial. Right. Clearly. It turns out that the measurement used for if he was competent to stand trial was simply to determine if he knew right from wrong, just like I had said. Mm -hmm. The basic knowledge of that does not make him competent. The definition of competent to stand trial is actually closer to mentally competent to understand the proceeding against him and assist in his defense. Mm -hmm. And none of this applies to him. Wow. Like none of that can apply to him. I didn't know that. Yeah, neither did I. So his attorney, Roy Matthews, said that he had known Hill. This is bonkers. He had known Hill for about six months before realizing that Hill was not understanding him, but would nod and smile through a conversation as if he was comprehending it. Mm -hmm. Um, And he goes, I finally asked him to tell me what I had just said. He didn't know. He just hung his head down. He told me he always acted as if he understood what was going on because he was ashamed at his inability to understand. Yeah, yeah. It's like the same situation as we watched in the episode, you know? Just like the creative ways that... That people people use to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to protect themselves. Mm. Because he probably experienced so much... Oh, I can't even think about what he went through as a kid. Okay, so how did the trial end up, right? James Hill was found guilty and was sentenced to death. Wow. I'm not done. In a telephone interview, Hill said that he was scared of dying in the electric chair. And then when he was asked what death was, he hesitated and said, I guess when you don't come back... He couldn't even get like the, mm. yeah, you know what I mean? Understand. Like this is super fucked up. Yeah. So that was 1980. He goes to prison. In 1985, he was granted a retrial and a competency hearing, which he never got for his first trial. So at this time in 1985, key witness Daniel Munson was somewhere in Texas, a wanted fugitive. <gasps> for what? I, I don't know. I couldn't find anything more about him. Oh my God. It was hard to find this stuff, like post-trial stuff. I'm so pissed that he did this to him. But one redeeming, one, 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 tiny, tiny, tiny redemption. Does he have good hair or something? Um, I never saw a picture of him. But you know who did have great hair in his initial photo was James Hill. He had mm. like super shaggy late 70s hair. Mm. It was really, really great hair. I mean, it was like a picture in a paper where he was like, it's like, Local man murders girl, you know, and I'm like, oh, nice hair. But I think I kind of knew already that he was. Yeah. Anyway, the tiniest bit of redemption that Munson gets from me is that he filed. He was on the run. Nobody knew where he was for like a different crime. He filed an affidavit saying that officials coerced him into lying and obtaining illegal evidence. So he made a point to file the proper paperwork to let them know that he was forced to lie and um, throw, throw Hill under the bus. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well. In 1987, the retrial was pending. And okay, so the state appealed an order suppressing two significant items of evidence. Evidence gained by the use of a body bug and the testimony of Daniel Munson. So the the things that the whole trial hung on yeah. are out. Because in Munson's affidavit, he said that the police told him to explicitly say that the recording was obtained in the backyard at Hill's house. And Munson recanted that and said that they were inside the house, which is illegal in the state of Florida without a warrant. Mm. Okay, so it makes the recording inadmissible. Okay. Because Munson was a fugitive, he couldn't be produced for the second trial. Hill's lawyer and psychiatrist have always maintained he is a childlike innocent accused of a murder committed by someone else. Potentially Munson. Mm-hmm. Probably Munson. Yeah. Like, 
100% Munson. Like, very, very likely him. So in 1987, 28-year-old Hill was released into the custody of his parents on a $10,000 bond pending a new trial. And his lawyer successfully argued that his intellectual disability was used against him. And this is a quote from his attorney at that time. He was working with a new attorney, Dan Danheiser. (laughs) Why disgust? Why not excitement for a fun name from a guy who really helped him out? Well, it was more just like, ugh, of course his name is Dan Danheiser or whatever. (laughs) I love it. Dan Dan. Quote, James parroted a confession. He said yes to avoid saying he didn't understand the questions. I suspect when he was six or seven, he was teased a lot and laughed at because he couldn't understand. Mm -hmm. So he learned to mask his deficiencies. Mm -hmm. Since his release, James has been working nights at an ice factory, earning $4.40 an hour. Now, this is in 1987. I'm sure that was like minimum, minimum, minimum wage. It was the last I could find about him. His case did a lot in the state of Florida to change the lack of representation in the court system for people with intellectual disabilities. So that came from it. Yeah. But the whole system is rigged against people that can't properly defend themselves. It's bananas and sad. And he spent seven years in prison. Not even knowing what he did. How scary and confusing is that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was awesome. Duh. I work so hard on these for you to like hate me in a depression way afterward. No, it was a good story, but you know what I mean? Like, just a fucking bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Follow us on social media, all SVU pod. Yeah. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. Our website is svupod, especially heinous.com. I'm going to change it soon. It's okay. Let me get to it. I My goal someday is to be. SVU pod across the board. I know. Same. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. I have videos of me laughing at like David Attenborough's voice because he's like, unimaginable abundance. And I was like. (laughs) (laughs) And a competence. And a comp. And a. And a competency. Oh, my my God. God. (laughs) And a competency hearing. That'd be like me going and be like, oh, I can cut hair and then like give somebody a fucking perm. And oh like, man, get get like four drinks in me. I'm like, I'll give you a mohawk. That's what I do when I cut my bangs. Like, <laughs> I have to have like three beers. Otherwise I overthink it. And I'm like, wait, it's off this much, this much. And then I cut it too short, you know? But, but if, it, I, if I have a couple of beers, I'm like, whoop. Did you see that meme where someone was like, maybe it'll work. And there's like 2020 and the thing ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so he, was that head shake thing like for me to go? Oh, I just, like, I oh. was just like, stop talking, Tasha. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, funny. <laughs> <laughs>